the sixth day of Star Wars, George Lucas gave to me six Tusken Raiders, five Death Star plans, four heisting crews, three dismembered limbs, two awkward dialogues, and a really shitty prequel movie. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 6 of our 12 Days of Star Wars Christmas Special. Today we're going to be going over Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. It's a classic and timeless movie. It'll just be me and Barry for the next few episodes as Isaiah is MIA in a location with no internet and no equipment. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy and thank you for being patient with us. Uh, hello and welcome everyone to episode 6 of our... 12 Days of Star Wars Special. Today we're going to be covering Episode 4, A New Hope. Uh, Isaiah is missing in action. He is lost in a jungle with no internet. Someone sent him some help. Anyways, Barry, why don't you start us off here? Oh boy. Episode, well, not our episode, but Episode 4, A New Hope. Yeah. You know, I'm going to approach this from a different angle because I feel like everybody in the entire universe has seen this movie. So I'm not going to talk very much about the movie itself. I'm going to talk instead okay. about how it was made and what came from it. All right. Well, first of all, I enjoy this movie very much. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's certainly not perfect, but there's like a magic to it. You see these movies when you're a kid and it's just this simple story of good and evil. The characters are wonderful. They're memorable. They're well acted. They have so much charisma and there's just a lot to love about it. Now, the movie itself, oh boy. So, George Lucas, right? When he made this film, he had one other movie to his credit, which was, oh, American Graffiti? Am I remembering that mm. right? He had one I other movie so. to yeah. I mean, does the THX whatever sci-fi movie count? Was that a, a theater release or what? Oh, the that was a student film. Okay. That was a student film, yeah. I didn't know. I just couldn't remember. I don't know. There, there's a there's a very long history to this film, and I'll just, I'll just set it set it up by saying that this is essentially George Lucas's second, uh, second theatrical release ever. Very famously, this movie was saved in the edit. A lot of scenes were moved around. A lot of it was cut. I don't know that there was a lot of reshoots. I feel like there was not much, if at all, because frankly, they didn't have money for it. The original yeah. production, bu- production budget was eight million dollars for this film, I believe. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was $8 million in, uh, was it 1975 money? So, it was not that bad. <laughs> it's still it's still a pretty decent chunk of change, but it's certainly not, you know, $275 million that went to Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Last Jedi made more money than Rise of Skywalker? I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> An opening oh. week, I think. Really? Yeah, I think uh, they said it was like Last Jedi made 35 mil more opening week or something like that. I, I don't know the exact numbers. we got to look it up again. It was either 35 or 75. I mean, that, that can be explained in a couple of ways. One, critics have not liked Rise of Skywalker, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two, there's a lot, like this is, it literally came out for Christmas. Last Jedi, I think, gave a week of breathing room for Christmas. And it was also a lot less contested. They they dumped, like, I don't know, like three other movies the same weekend. Uh, Bombshells came out. Cats. <laughs> Cats came Cats out. Cats is terrible. 
<laughs> we don't talk uh, about that. I kind of want to see it. I kind of want to see it. But oh, quick yeah. interjection here. This is why I didn't want to scream it, but uh, uh, they redeemed a dramatic reading, so I have to read whatever they comment <laughs> dramatically. Uh, my attempt. Hey, Ducky, I don't like Star Wars very much. I'm more of a Star Trek fan, apart from the J.J. Abrams crap. But I'm here for the support. Well, thank you, Alpha. Much appreciated. I'm going to have to cut that on post. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> cut nothing. Everything cut nothing? Stays in- no. You must. Where's the context? The people listening to the podcast will be able to see chat. <laughs> anyway, that's, that, that, that's basically sums up my thoughts. It's just... Yeah. It's literally as distilled down and boiled down as like a as a hero's journey can be as far as the plot. Just like the perfect cast of actors and just great performances mm. and just a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. How about yeah. you, Sam? Totally. Here's what happened. When I was watching it when I was young, I was like, this movie is awesome. And then I skimmed through it again recently before watching it because I like doing that just to kind of refresh my memory and get it like a feel for a movie. And when I was skimming through it, I'm like, this this movie sucks. <laughs> like, what happened? Because, you know, it's out of context. But then when I watched it from the beginning, I was like, this is a masterful film. It's not perfect. I think people overrate this movie quite a bit. There's still flaws to it and, and all of that. But, like, it's masterful storytelling. It's masterful visual storytelling. And... I think what it separates this from the new trilogy is that there's so much space for stuff to breathe that it's awesome. So kind of the things that I wanted to point out, the difference between this trilogy and the new trilogy is that in the new trilogy, they tell you what's happening or they tell you how to feel through the dialogue. You know, like Finn goes, hey, where's Rey? And it cuts to Rey, right? <laughs> or, oh, this is Luke Skywalker's plan for The Last Jedi. We'll go over that in detail later. But in this film, like, I caught so much that I missed when I was a child where also like knowing what happens later in the movies, like going back to that scene where Luke is talking to his parents and his parents, you know, his uncle, his adopted parents, basically. And it's talking about like, oh, you knew Darth Vader. And then, you know, Uncle Owen gives aunt, what's her name? Brew? Whatever. Uh, Yeah, Brew. Yeah. yeah, A look, you know, like a, a look there. And you're like, oh, there's something there. And that scene, there's no dialogue for that. It's just a look. And, like, you can relate to it because you've seen it before. And, like, there's something more going on here. Not only that, I was trying to figure out why I didn't feel attached to Rey as a character as opposed to Luke. And Luke is so relatable because in the beginning, it's kind of like he's complaining about wanting to go on and hang out with friends. And then Uncle Owen's like, nope, you gotta finish being a moisture farmer and then he's like oh that sucks the clean up the droids before you're done you can always play with your friends later or like you can go join the academy later like i need your help and he's just a kid who wants to be free he wants to escape from this desert place he wants to go on adventures he wants to have fun all of his friends left and you know like you're left in a place where it's very relatable because Unless you're a fetus. Like, if you're a baby watching this, you're not going to understand anything. But, like, for me, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, this is so simple. Lucas isn't throwing anything new here. He's just cobbling together things from other sci-fi series and straightforward storytelling. But it's so relatable. It works. And if you compare this to the newer trilogy, you can't relate to anyone, almost. Other than The Last Jedi, which I'm not joking about, which makes it way more relatable. 
like this new series they don't let anything breathe like ray where does where does she start from she's a scavenger and and then just starts from there and it's just all out action and all of that it's like i don't know this character but i know luke i i've been in luke's shoes before i can relate to that so much the characters are so lovable and focuses on them and also before we go on back to you barry but like uh <laughs> when obi-wan's introduced he goes hello there <laughs> you know and yeah that's where yeah. that's from did you not realize this, yeah that? I, yeah i didn't notice that either uh but like <laughs> the thing is it's a meme in the prequels he just jumps down he loses the high ground and he goes hey hello there and it doesn't have any meaning whereas this one it's just like oh it's not a scary monster creature it's not like a a giant jawa it's just this charming old man who's very polite and pleasant and you know has a little bit of humor, and like you immediately like it's disarming. It's, you know that he's a good guy. Whereas in uh, Revenge of the Sith or Attack of the Clones, it's just a meme. <laughs> you know? It was like I'm gonna jump down and then point at you. With- <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna point at you with, with two fingers like this. I, I don't know why. Back to you, Barry. Like that. Those are my initial thoughts. Like I just noticed how how good the acting is. It's shown. It's shown, not told. Like, we're not told what's happening or how to feel. We're shown what's happening. And the characters are way more relatable. There's more of that I want to get into, obviously, but just, just to start off. I mean, the actors are like absolutely wonderful in this film. Um, they originally did not want Harrison Ford in this role, and Lucas fought a little bit to get him on mm. board. Um, as far as the casting goes, uh, they went through, I think, like 2,000 different actresses before they landed on... Carrie, um, Fisher. Carrie Fisher, yeah. Wait, quick question: Why didn't they want Harrison Ford for that role? Because he's perfect. Was oh. it before Indiana Jones? I don't remember. No, this is before Indiana Jones. Okay, that yeah, explains this is before it. Before Indiana Jones, um, Lucas didn't want him. Mm, okay. Lucas originally had him like he he had other people reading for it, and during the auditioning process, when they were auditioning um, for the parts of Luke and Leia, he brought in Ford to basically be a temp <laughs> he was just sitting there <laughs> reading reading different lines and creating like kind of an anchor for them to react off of right and eventually luke uh Ford just won him over essentially because he spent so mm. much time with the script that he understood it much better than everybody else did they eventually came into conflict later on as far as far as uh how the character should be treated but initially harrison ford completely won over lucas wow um, okay yeah the actors did a wonderful job. They're really they cast perfectly, especially because the dialogue is not as sparkling and pristine as you might remember it to be. Some of it's a little bit awkward. It's like, people, do people talk like that? I don't think people <laughs> talk like that, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to come at this from a different angle because people, I mean, everybody's seen the movie. Everybody knows it's... it's. Well, I mean, except for youngins, right? Yeah, I guess, except for, yeah. for the young and the unfortunate i've grown up with the prequel and then sequel trilogy instead especially the prequels lucas originally he had wanted to make star wars for a while and he made Mm. american graffiti as kind of like a uh like a sample of his you know directing cred and shopped that around and nobody wanted to buy it and they eventually sold that to uh fox and then he did a treatment for star wars and he was shopping that around. He shopped it to like Universal, Disney. Everybody turned him down. And then Fox is like, "Yeah, you know, whatever. You know, we'll take it." <laughs> um, and approved him for the initial eight million dollar budget. 
Lucas in a remarkable moment of either brilliance or like outright insanity decided to create his own special effects company which became ILM uh, Industrial mm. Light and Magic to do all the special effects and you probably don't know how they did the special effects for this but I need you to remember that there were no computers that could do what we can do now in 1977 yeah. okay but yeah he founded ILM like uh in was it Southern California outside of outside of LA honestly I think he's a visionary like he's future thinking getting the merch rights uh making his own visual effects studio I, I don't know like I think it takes someone who's ready forward thinking to do that well he originally wanted the merch rights he wanted the merchandising rights as a way to promote the film hmm it worked out, though. Well, I mean, originally, they, they had no toys for the first Star Wars originally. Oh, so like you were saying, he wanted merch rights so he could make toys to promote the movie so people yeah, could he want, watch it? All he wanted was to be able to make posters, comic books, ah. and, like, t-shirts. And a lot of the original promotional campaign for Star Wars was they had, like, a tie-in comic book that came out beforehand. And that was promoted very heavily in, like, sci-fi conventions and stuff like that. And that's part of the reason why Star Wars really succeeded, is they had the... <laughs> the wherewithal to remember hey there's like a whole dedicated sci-fi fandom if we approach them and then like shop this around find people that appreciate it and then like get like a comic book deal they got a comic book deal they did like screenings of trailers and stuff like that even before much of the film was finished at all these sci-fi conventions and that's part of what drummed up interest really they, i think they originally shot for like a uh 1976 release or 75 i'm gonna rem- i'm gonna misremember the years please forgive me but they left them with essentially no time there was no way they were gonna finish it then when they arrived i think tunisia was the first part of the shoot which is all of tatooine and the day they arrived it's raining it was like the first time it had rained in like forever it was like miserable and they couldn't film mm. and broke everything and so they were immediately like a week behind schedule and luke is like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I, I read some comments where uh, people working on the film thought that it would not get made because how, of how difficult it was to film. Well, people that were working on it thought it was garbage. They thought it was going to be a complete failure. Uh, they were so right. I'm kidding. <laughs> Famously, that uh, uh, yeah. Kenny Baker. Uh-huh. Kenny Baker was like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy that was inside R2. Uh, okay. And all the actors are like, George, what is this dialogue? He's like, yeah, it's fine. Just deliver it. Just act like you're evil. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, give me someone who's evil. (laughs) They filmed in London so that they had to deal with London um, union labor laws that said they can't Mm -hmm. work past five. And then all this crazy crap. Nothing worked. All the droid stuff, like, just didn't work. R2-D2 was in a constant state of, like, not working. (laughs) Just like in the movie, yeah. Yeah, no, literally. Like, he kept, like, breaking down and then, like, falling over, and they could not get it to work. The fact that they managed to film it and complete it is nearly a miracle. They had to ask for a lot of extensions from Fox, and Mm. there was, like, all the executives hated hated Lucas's guts. (laughs) They hated it. They were like, what are we spending all this money on? Oh, my God. Now he is the executive. (laughs) Like, the only person that had any real film experience in Star Wars was Alec Guinness, one, and John Williams, two. 
like Alec Guinness uh, famously like pulled the crew together a little bit. He's like the vet, you know, he's been through this a bunch. He kept everything professional. And then John Williams is fuck motherfucking John Williams. <laughs> he's just Fantastic. amazing. One of like, it really brought the film together. That's a legendary partnership right there. John Williams yeah. and Star Wars. You can't, you can't get any better than that. You can't. Like I, people will recognize the music right away. Yeah, absolutely. Quick side note here, <laughs> Alpha with the comment saying Lucas didn't think too far ahead when he sold it to Disney. Back to when we we're talking about. I think, I don't know, I think he's tired of Star Wars, right? He's tired of getting criticized for Star Wars. Oh, okay. Now, now Ryan Johnson gets all the criticism. J.J. <laughs> Abrams. He called it the divorce. Oh, really? Uh, which is very apt because oh, wow. the original Star Wars trilogy was the cause of his divorce with his first wife. <laughs> Yeah, part, Marcia, Marcia. Who edited the film? Yeah, who edited? Yeah. I think all three films. Really, I got checked the credits. I don't I believe she had a, had an editing credit at least for Return of the Jedi. Like she saved all these films, and he, he divorced her. Wow, <laughs> like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's some gratitude right there. Yeah, that's some gratitude. Oh yeah, like I wanted to point out. Just speaking of credits, if you look at the credits, it's it's kind of short. It's really short compared to like how big the movie is and another thing that i really liked is there's a credit for miniature explosions miniature pyrotechnics so i understand why because you know they film a tiny explosion and then composite it or whatnot or like actually just explode something over a miniature i like how there's a credit for that well all the explosions are practical they're tiny explosions (laughs) so i'm going to explain very briefly uh, because it's explained in other videos but much better than i'm going to be able to how they did all the effects for this film the only computers they used were computers for motion-controlled cameras, so they could set a camera to repeat a motion again and again and again in an exact way. Mm. So the way that all the ships are filmed are they're made, first of all, uh, they're models, they're, they're kitbash, as I mentioned earlier, by ILM. They made these ships, several of each, and then they filmed, instead of filming the ship flying towards the camera, they filmed the camera like pulling away from the ship. Ah, uh, okay. Or like pulling towards the ship. And they could reproduce that camera move again and again. So let's say they needed a squadron of TIE fighters to fly like together. Mm-hmm. Or like to fly apart in different directions. They just repeat the camera move and they motion track it so that they can cut everything into like one one shot. Mm. Um, they used the original use of blue screen. It was blue screen, not green screen original. Instead of having a computer mask it all out and composite it together, they had to do it on the film. So they had to add a blue color mask, which would mask out the blue screen and then create like a positive and a negative and then physically add into the film and composite everything together. Frame by frame? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Shop frame by frame. Wow. Okay. And for example, all the blaster shots are like literally cutting out a piece of the film and shining a light through it and to overexpose it. That's not exactly how the sabers are done. That's part, part of the way they were done. For the first film, they had a reflective tape taped onto like these sticks, basically, and they shined a light from the position of the camera, so it would reflect off the saber, and that's how they did that effect. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> There's some scenes where I, if you notice that the the tip of the saber is pointing towards the camera, you don't see yeah. that; you just see a stick. That's yeah, kind you of can funny. see it. The, the effects are not that great. For the yeah, it's not. In this film. Oh, so I wanted to notice. I wanted to note something else. Also, uh, you know the scene where you turn on the lightsaber, right? The bad magic cut? Yeah, the bad. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's a little bit jarring. We're like, oh, did they tell us? So just the terrible something? match cut. But yeah. it's like, it's okay because it's so it's cool. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's fine. The lightsaber kind of distracts you. If, if your focus is on the lightsaber itself, you don't kind of notice that 
you know, it's, it's the editing is terrible. Like, I understand, though, because I don't know how they did it in the recent movies that make it look so smooth now. Computer magic. You're right. Computer magic. If they're not actually physically fighting with them, they don't have to have a physical saber. Oh, really? They can just motion track it to the, uh, to the hilt, and then it's just completely CG. Wow. As long as you're not hitting another saber. If you are, then you, got, you probably need an actual prop. Computers are fucking magic, man. You can have the saber in frame with a, not in frame, and then you can like, just mask it out. Tedious, tons of tedious work. I don't know if I how I feel about this. <laughs> but like in this, in the original, like it was just tons and tons of tedious work on on yeah. film, literally with like an exacto knife. I could I could tell <laughs> frame by frame. Tell. Yeah, it's groundbreaking, and it's a forgotten art now because nobody does it anymore. It's just so much easier to use computers. It is. They just had a little bit of background because mm. ILM saw it start here, and then was later moved to. Um, Skywalker Ranch, which we talked about briefly in another podcast, and I was partially wrong about it. Skywalker Ranch is actually where ILM and uh, THX and like Lucasfilm live. It's like this big plot of land where all of these production studios live. So yeah, I'll throw it back to you for a little bit so I don't just cut, go on and on about <laughs> the mm, nitty-gritty no technical details. All right, yeah, so like a, th- a couple things I wanted to cover was the visual storytelling where... Again, it was really jarring because, you know, we were watching all 12 Star Wars movies back to back to back. So we can kind of compare and contrast the, the new trilogy, the prequel and the original. And one thing that struck me was that there's so much just busyness in the new trilogies, like endless fight scenes, chase sequences, explosions, like always a joke. There are 40, let me, let me check my notes, about 40 jokes in The Last Jedi, by the way. I counted. <laughs> yeah uh 35 jokes i might have missed one or two but 35 jokes in the last jedi and like for this there's 90 seconds i i counted it it's a little shorter than 90 seconds but there's a scene where r2 gets shot by the jawas and it's being carried to the sand crawler and that took 90 seconds there's just literally r2's on the ground and jawas come out of you know out of the rocks and like Utini and then they just pick him up and just slowly carrying him to the sand crawler and then they put him in and <laughs> that took ninety seconds. And it's like no one is there saying, Oh my god, R2 got captured and him is gonna be sold. They just showed it to us. And then not only that, they showed us the inside of the sand crawler where you kinda understand that it's a it's a junk heap. No one told you what it is. You can kind of come to that conclusion based on what they show you. And I like how this film treats the audience as smart enough to kind of put things together, even though it's something we've never seen before. It's robots. Like, they mention places that we don't know. They mention things that we don't know, much like books that treat the audience as intelligent. Like, I'm reading Dune right now. I'm at the very beginning. It mentions things that it doesn't explain. You're going to understand later, or you d- it's not important. So, <laughs> like, well, I you're just not going to understand it at all. Yeah, you're not going to understand it at all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just fine. It's, it, yeah, it's fine. And I, I wish they did that in the newer trilogy, which they don't, anyways. But yeah, going back, Luke is really relatable. Um, you kind of understand that, oh, Darth Vader is a bad guy. He killed a guy. <laughs> you know? I, under- I don't understand. Like, in the new Star Wars, where. The new trilogy, like, you see stormtroopers die by the dozens, but you don't really see, like, Kylo Ren kill people all the time. Here, Vader just goes through officials left and right, especially as the movie progresses in the trilogy, you know? 
<laughs> he's just he's just killing imperial officers with no regard. Yeah, no regard. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> he doesn't, and <laughs> and like you understand that he's bad. Not only there's the funny scene in I think Empire Strikes Back where he kills a guy and he's like, "Oh, you're the admiral now." <laughs> and it's like, "Don't fail me." And there's a scene where um, there's a captain, Captain Nita or whatever his name was. He fails, and everyone's just looking at him because <laughs> he know they know he's gonna die. So he's like. I'm going to go apologize to Vader and accept full responsibility. And then uh, later, you just see him saying, ah, thank you, I accept your apology, Captain Blah Blah Blah, and he's just dead. He's just <laughs> so, on the ground dead. He's just on the ground dead. Oh, it's so funny. Like, <laughs> like you take Vader seriously, uh, Kylo, you kind of don't. Uh, but I'm going to go into that later. I kind of appreciate that. I like how they treat the Force as well, because the scene where Luke is on the Millennium Falcon and Obi-Wan is there teaching him the force and you know he's like hey don't trust your eyes they'll deceive you and then he puts the pilot helmet on with the blast shield down this is not a real exercise it's impromptu but then the prequels made it an actual thing with the young wings <laughs> which uh anakin kills <laughs> anyways that's a great idea yeah that's a great idea let's make that a thing and and then you know luke goes i can almost see the little sphere this is great because it builds up later when he's shooting the Death Star. You know, he puts away the tracking computer and like he's using the force and it's like he can almost as if he could see where he needs to shoot the missiles with the force, which was referred back to in that training sequence. And it goes back to what Obi-Wan said as well. Like, don't trust your eyes. They can deceive you. Use the force to feel it, right? And this isn't, direct contrast to the prequels and the pod racing scene where I'm thinking about where Qui-Gon's like hey Annie don't think <laughs> use the force and he doesn't do that it's not necessary it's not it doesn't there's no linkage to what he said there's no build up there's no weight to it whereas with this it's such a short section of dialogue and well acted it's referred to again later in the movie and it kind of shows like Luke is getting used to the force he's learning to let go and it's fantastic. It's amazing. I wish they did that in the newer trilogy, which they don't. <laughs> so no, they, have to, me... they have to crank everything to 11 for the new trilogy. Dude. I know, like a chase sequence every five seconds, explosions. Um, Ray has to be more powerful in the Force than Luke is after three full movies at the end of the first movie. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I don't, which I don't understand. I love this movie. I love Empire Strikes Back too, and. It's just, I don't know, it's so charming. Also, there's some flaws to it. If you remember the scene where Luke and Han and Chewie storm the detention center to save Princess Leia, and there's like a, I don't know what they're doing. They're shooting out the cameras, right? Or sensors or guns or whatever it is. It doesn't really explain. It looks like cameras. And they're reusing shots. You know, they're, they're repeating the same shots. And it's like... It goes on for like 30 seconds. It just keeps shooting these camera things over and over again. And I was like, this is, this was not necessary. <laughs> it was, it took so long. And I was like, why? <laughs> why is this happening? Just shoot it once. It just happened. It's like that scene you mentioned in Blade Runner where I completely missed. Where Harrison Ford is like, zoom, enhance. <laughs> and it goes on for like what feels like 10 minutes. And it just goes into like one section. I'm like, you could have cut out like 20 zoom enhances and just cut to that. And uh, it's kind of like that. So the pacing suffers a little bit, but yeah. That's kind of one, one thing that I wanted to go over. Uh, like it's an example, kind of like this 
how the dialogue feels real. There's weight to it. It builds up the characters and the story. There's a lot of visual storytelling there. It doesn't need a character looking at the camera and saying what's happening or how you're supposed to feel. And it's it's awesome. I think it's well done. Again, it's not perfect. There's a lot of pacing issues like I mentioned before. But that's something I wanted to go over because I don't know, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, this this movie is visually stunning. Yeah. And coming back to the effects and how they did everything, um, we're looking at a shot now of the, the hangar with a Millennium Falcon in it. How much of this do you think is real? Mm, I would... Is everything real except the background? The hangar? Nope. These storm That's all real? That's a matte yeah. painting. The stormtroopers are a matte painting? Wow. Look at them. Look at them. Go back. <laughs> yeah, look at them. It's a matte painting. <laughs> wow. That's a matte painting? Yeah. The ILM team had, I think, Incredible. potentially the most talented matte painting artist in the world. <laughs> okay. He did astonishing work for this like stuff that you would not really think about. Wait, you were like, "Oh, that's a mat." Quick question: the two stormtroopers on the right hand side—is that a mat painting as well? Because they're not moving. Maybe. Or are they like figurines? See, some of them, some of them are dudes, and some of them are not. They they, they mix it in so that they they sell you on. I it, can't right? tell. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, tell. it's it's done so well. Like the guys in the elevator. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're real dudes. The guys coming down the ramp. These are real dudes. That's what about the background, dude? the hangar with the lights? Is that real? Oh yeah, that's Matt. Oh, that's Matt. Oh, it's so wow. it's so good, right? How does how does that work? Is it like composited later, or like is it on the lens? Like they paint it on? Um, they project the film onto a giant plate, and they paint onto that plate. Ah, uh, okay. Like it's literally projected onto a giant glass plate, and then the mad artist will paint onto it, and then they reproject that onto film. Okay. Okay. It's astonishing. <laughs> it's yeah, incredible I mean, work. That's incredible. Just just painting. Like I know they used miniatures. I know they used stop motion. Like I don't know the details, but they were in the credits, so I know they did that kind of stuff because it's stop motion credits. There's uh matte paintings credits, miniature credits. Man, what a This kind of tells me that if you're really motivated, you can make a high-quality film using these older techniques. Because it makes it more affordable, just very time-consuming. They've done some of the older techniques on the newer films. I think the title crawl is still filmed with a camera and a plate. Mm. I could be wrong. You can look it up. I I feel like I saw that somewhere, that they they, they actually filmed it with a plate. Which, and I mean, they don't have to do that. The reason I still have, I have a soft spot for the sequels, because they're all done out of love. Yeah. Uh, for all the stumbling and all of like the bad stuff that happens, the, everybody that worked on those films loves Star Wars. Like, is passionate about Star Wars. Didn't they shoot it on film? Too? Um, like, they maybe, refused to let them use digital. I'm not sure about that. Okay. I want to say I'm. I'm pretty sure it's digital. Really? Okay. Because it's so the main advantage. Like, film is great. It does a lot of. It can it can capture a lot more than digital can to an extent, but the reason digital is so powerful is that if you're filming a shot, right? You film actors doing something, cut, great. On film, you hope for the best, or you have a separate uh, camera crew that's mm-hmm. doing the um, the onset capture that you can play around, play back on like a little TV if you're lucky. It's much 
less simple to to rewash the shot on digital you literally like bring it up on the screen on your camera and you're like oh this is exactly what it looked like we got it we nailed it or you look at it and you're yeah, like oh there. this guy this guy missed his mark we can just just do it again you're not going to run out of film you run out of hard drive space <laughs> you can run out of hard drive space that brings up a good question like how do people know whether you shot the scene that you wanted or not on film because you can't watch it back right you can't watch back the exact same thing. Um, you got to develop it, right? Yeah, at some point they had like a live camera that was responsible for just capturing a live feed so the director could watch it. It was mm. not that great, and you had to pay for a second crew to do it. So basically, when you, whenever you film something on film, you have the camera operator, you have an assistant camera operator, and you have a second assistant camera operator. And those guys' job, the main camera operator is just to sit there, hold the camera, like get the shot. The second operator is there to assist them, make sure that the camera doesn't fall over on anyone. The second assistant is literally there to change film out, and then you probably have another guy to wrangle like cables and stuff like that. And then you have another crew that's res- responsible for the secondary camera, just to capture like the shot for review for the director to see if it was a good take or not. And then you multiply this <laughs> by like two, three, four times for each angle you want to capture in one take. That's gonna be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's real expensive. Yeah. That's real expensive. Yeah, it's it's much easier to work on digital. You you cut that film crew in like a third. So that's the advantage. There's mm-hmm. some wonderful stuff about film, but digital is so much easier to work with. It is. Yeah, I don't I don't like want people to use film for the sake of using film, but I just remember hearing that uh whenever filming Force Awakens that they would not let them use digital. Like it has to be shot on film. Kodak thirty five millimeter. Uh it's entirely possible. JJ Abrams is a big proponent of film. Uh Tarantino really? still films with film, but that's because he's Tarantino and he does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. I'm all for digital. It's just easier. <laughs> I'm just speaking from the practical, like how easy it is just to see, like you mentioned, see what you just shot, or just in terms of like photography as well. It's just so much easier. We've gotten to a point where digital is so much more practical and allows yeah. like smaller filmmakers to do their thing. If you want to shoot on film, your camera is going to weigh 500 million pounds. You're going to be paying a bajillion dollars for literal rolls of film and hope for the best because you only get literally you only get one shot per, <laughs> you know, per, per section of film. And if you run out of film, you're out of film. You need a lot more people to wrangle the cameras, like I said. And you, the editing process is a lot less trivial as well, because you're literally, they call it the cutting room floor, because you're physically cutting film to cut it together. Which I understand has a romantic appeal, but just a lot of unnecessary work hours. I mean, film is wonderful. Uh, it, yeah. it captures, like, the, the color gamut it can capture is astonishing. There's some, there, there, there's qualities to film that make it wonderful to work with. But for, for a smaller filmmaker... Like, you can work with, like, a much smaller, lighter camera. It doesn't have to weigh a million pounds. It doesn't have to cost a million dollars. You know, it's it's cheaper, lighter, simpler. Yeah. I'm a Sony fanboy, so, the you know, the Alpha series, the A7S series and R series, they're fantastic, by the way. If you want to be, like, a uh, indie filmmaker or whatnot, they work great. $2,000? Not bad. There's a bunch of, like, newer cameras coming out that are super compact and can cover can get a lot of light information in them mm. at, at 4k and they're basically handheld 
Like they, they weigh, yeah. they weigh like 10 pounds or something, which is incredible for a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Usually these rigs weigh like a bajillion pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Like rewashing this, I forgot how kind of janky the action is. It is. The reason why I like it is that the action is not the main focal point. It's more like it's representing the a conflict. It's the characters and the conflict. Yeah. The action is secondary. Which is something the prequels and the new trilogy don't understand. The action is not the focus here. It's the characters and the struggle and the conflict between good and evil or between anything. It's just representing a conflict. It's not the actual fight that matters. It's what it represents. And they kind of don't get that. Absolutely. The prequels forgot that more than anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of sad. With the Yoda and... Yoda fighting Dooku. I mean, it looks cool, but like that's not what it's about, you know. I mean, the limitations honestly made for a better film where they couldn't really shoot what they wanted because of that. They had to focus on the storytelling. So I kind of missed that. So the scene where Luke goes in and then um, she's like, "Aren't you short for a stormtrooper?" She has no fear. What a ballsy, ballsy female character. This is how you write a female character. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention, though, dude, also, like, I love the narrative because, so basically for these movies, you have to have ways for things to happen so that you can show stuff on screen and then explain away stuff, right? So you need Luke to go to Alderaan. So how do you get him to go there? Have his parents die, right? Just kill his parents. <laughs> just kill his parents. So he has to leave, right? Because he didn't want to leave. So just kill his parents. And then how does his parents die? Stormtroopers? Uh, looking for the droids, kill them, right? They get, I forgot how violent it was. Yeah, it's violent. They're just burnt. There's like skeletons. They get like burnt alive. <laughs> yeah, they're burnt alive. And then like, how do you stop them from getting to Alderaan so they can, you know, meet the rebellion and whatnot? Uh, just destroy Alderaan, right? <laughs> why? There's a reason why though. To force Princess Leia to give them the location of the rebel base. So like, if you break it down, things happen so that other things can happen. But there's a logical flow to it. It's logically sound. Like, these are things that people would do if they were evil or if they were good. Or, like, you know, this guy just lost his parents. He's like, F it. My life is a total mess. I'll just go leave with this old man on an adventure. What do I have to lose? Like, it's logically sound. And if you break it down, um, things happen so that, you know, like I mentioned, his parents have to die so he can leave and go to Alderaan, So he right? can go off with this magical space hobo. Exactly. It's this magical space hobo, which wouldn't happen normally. But then, like, it makes sense. His parents died because the stormtroopers, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're, yeah, they're burned to a crisp there. Oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> like, so violent. It's like, I can't believe how long they linger on that shot. Yeah. I don't think they would show this in Disney. In Disney Star I don't Wars. think so, yeah. It's like, they're they're... Burnt skeletal corpses are like yep. bent over in a pile. You're like, oh my god! They're smoking too. <laughs> They're like <laughs> They're literally still dish. smoking. Yeah. Like my god. The reason why it struck me more than the Vader going no is that he had an argument with his uncle before. He the last time that he saw his uncle and aunt was him having a fight. So you can imagine. Like, what's going through that character's head at that moment, where it's like, I regret everything, right? I wish I had another chance. Like, these are things that you you can relate to. You've seen a parent die or a loved one die. Like, you know what it feels like. And that moment of sadness that he shows, and like, 
just like standing there, he doesn't know what to do, like he's lost. That's so real, and you compare it to anything in the prequels or the newer trilogy, it doesn't even hold a candle to that short scene, at least in my opinion. I hate them, Padme. I, I hate them. Not just the, the, <laughs> man, just the man, the woman, but the women. And, and the children. <laughs> the children. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, oh like it, God. like I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, there's no, there's no like resonance with that. There's no reason for us to feel anything. But that scene, like it, it just makes sense. We relate to Luke from the very, the very beginning, the very, the introduction of his character, and I don't know. I think it's masterful. Not only that, like I mentioned before, I think the story is logically sound. It doesn't have to make common sense. It makes sense in its own universe. It's very consistent. But yeah, I like it also. I really like the jokes. So I was trying to figure out why C-3PO and R2-D2 don't really ruin the moments as much as the prequels. <laughs> they don't undermine it. And I think it's because, first of all, it's short and C-3PO kind of reflects what the audience could be thinking or feeling. Just a little, like a dash of humor. I think the funniest part was when they're in the garbage disposal and then C-3PO is like, oh, listen to them, R2. They're dying. (laughs) You goddamn idiot. It's also funny because everyone hates C-3PO. They tell him to shut up. See, uh, Hansel literally puts his hand over his mouth so he can't talk. Everyone tells him to shut up. Everyone ignores him. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, it's great. I think Anthony Daniels, uh, the actor for C-3PO and the voice, very famously wanted to give 3PO like a, a like a bigger role like he wanted him to have like a heroic moment oh and, every, my. and like no. he constantly he constantly went to Lucas to argue his point Lucas was like nope <laughs> no no he should have said shut up 3PO <laughs> no, no nope he was like nope 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 not even a little bit yep not even a little bit nope I, I like how he just got blown up in uh, Empress Strikes Back and then Chewie just finds him <laughs> He's just gone for a long section. It's been blown apart like several times. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny, yeah. Also, I really liked how everyone in Starships, they just die. If you're in a ship, you're going to die. Unless you're Luke or Wedge. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're Luke or Wedge, yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor Biggs. The, the fat, they have a fat guy called Biggs. Oh, That's yes. great. <laughs> There's like one scene where they're like, oh, they came from behind and he just dies. Like, I was trying to figure out where that that line came from and it came from star wars unless it was referring to another movie that i don't no, know it came from star wars do you not remember yeah. that i did not remember that at all it's like they came from behind and then he just dies yeah fantastic <laughs> he just dies everyone, yeah. just up. <laughs> everyone just dies oh yeah that the fat guy you mentioned there's actually like uh they referred that i remember this because it was in the rogue one i think it was rogue series where uh, the reason why he fell, well, they explain it in the book. I don't know if that's true in the movie. It's just a side note because I thought it was interesting. But the reason why he crashed into that thing is these starships have inertial dampeners where it kind of, uh, you can make it so you don't feel any of the effects of quote-unquote gravity as you're flying through space. You can simulate that. And this guy was lazy, so he just said it so that he couldn't feel anything and he couldn't tell that it was actually crashing into the Death Star like an idiot. <laughs> like Wedge is like, this is a lesson, guys. Don't turn it down too low. Otherwise, you're going to be like this guy. Just crash into stuff. I, it's, it's stupid. Uh, extended Universe stuff. But yeah, they just give a lot of backstory to these characters. There's so much dumb Extended Universe stuff. Yeah. 
You should only pay attention to a little bit of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. There's some dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Have we talked about the galaxy gun? Yeah, dude, I thought that was fake. That was, I was like, this is, this can't be real. It's a real thing. <laughs> also, like, the scene we're just watching here, I really liked it because it shows that R2 and C-3PO are, are intelligent. Like, they managed to avoid stormtroopers by locking themselves in the closet. And then they're tapping on the door, and I was like, hello, let us out. They went that way. And they're like, oh, just excuse us, Mr. Stormtrooper. We'll be on our way. Whereas in the prequels, you have a scene where R2 is just peeing oil on these droids who are, I don't know why, they're really big, but they sound really dumb. And he lights them on fire. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Lucas, what are you doing? <laughs> right? I would rather have that. That's like a short scene. It's kind of charming. It's a little bit humorous. It has a, some wit to it. And it doesn't, like, ruin the characters. <laughs> oh, it's not dumb. It's not dumb. Just distill it down. It's not dumb. It's not dumb. I don't understand how someone can look at The Last Jedi and say that the prequels were better. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I don't understand. But the prequels had more original ideas. No. What? <laughs> R2 peeing on droids and lighting them on fire? Guys, have you seen the prequels lately? It's really bad. Well, I want to talk briefly yeah. about this shot. This uh, little ac- kinda, action sequence. Let, let me show it on screen real quick. This shot is probably like the biggest action, the biggest stunt piece they did the entire film. And let's be clear, they could not afford stunt doubles. So they did it themselves. They had the stunt guy. Stunt guy, the stunt guy slash <laughs> only one guy stunt coordinator. Yeah, um, he ran it through. He did the stunt in a harness, and this is like for real dangerous because they're like forty feet up in the air. What? Yeah, the film crews are underneath them, and they they're they're up on like a big flat platform, like forty feet up in the air. And the stunt guy did it, and his harness broke did for the stunt. Off? And Hamill was watching it, and he's like, "I'm not doing that." And the guy's like, "No, no, no! It was my pants that ripped." <laughs> <laughs> so he straight up <laughs> lied to him to get him to do the stunt. I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> what if he died? <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, he, did, he did it and they nailed it. First take. Wow, first <laughs> then, take. It was first take. But it's just like, the stunt guy. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> just lied. Just fake it till you make it, right? Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I just I just thought I'd take that little aside because I because I, I think I I really remember it because this is such a cool little moment in the film. It's kind of it's real when you watch it as an adult, you're like, this is so dumb, <laughs> but you like it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like we gotta we gotta swing across this gap with the with a rope. <laughs> it's a really thin rope too, like it's so thin. I also have to note that briefly, Carrie Fisher. Makes only one face when she shoots a blaster. She does it for three consecutive movies. Mm. It's only after watching these movies a million times that you notice it. Ray only makes one face when she's driving a spaceship, and it's really annoying. <laughs> she makes the laser shooting face right here. <laughs> mm. I can put That's that. That's the laser shooting face. Oh, dude. It's really funny, too. It's kind of charming where you know, there's no sound effects. So the actors would add in their own sound effects for everything, and they had to reshoot a couple of scenes. They're like, guys, just stop making sound effects. Oh, that's true of every every yeah. single movie since the, since the original trilogy. Yeah. There's one with Harrison Ford going, bang, bang, bang. 
Oh, I don't know. I think it's kind of charming, but first try. First try. First try. Oh man, the the scenes where um when Leia's kissing Luke, that scene in the very beginning of Empire, where it's like, looks like you don't know much about women, and then she kisses Luke, and Luke just puts his arms behind his head like he's like, oh yeah, and I was like, no, that's your sister, <laughs> no, God, Leia, no, that's your brother. What are you doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> it makes it makes it better for me to be honest. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, no, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> guys. Well, I have one more thing to say. Yeah, sure. I forgot that they literally just stuffed Luke into an X-Wing, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They just stuff him right in. He's like, I'm some moisture farmer from Tatooine. All right, hop in. <laughs> hop in. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, it's because everyone dies. <laughs> everyone in Starship dies. It would be the equivalent of, like, finding some guy... F- from the middle of nowhere farmland and stuffing you into an F-22. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. go for it, kid. I'm sure you'll do fine. I noticed they do that with almost everyone. It's a Star Wars thing, I suppose. It's fine. They're just fine with it. I feel like they have limited resources and they should stay save X-Wings for, like, you know, experienced pilots or something. It's like, nope, Luke, go for it. Yeah, like, where do they get all these X-Wings, by the way? You mentioned a good point, because, like, they, all of them die. They get blown up, so... Where do they keep getting more? Yeah, it just doesn't matter, Hanway. It doesn't matter. They actually, they, they actually explain it in The Last Jedi. They do. They, do. they actually <laughs> tell you about it. It's something I think people forgot about. The Last Jedi expands the lore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do closing thoughts and ratings, and we'll end it there. Star Wars, the the Star Wars, is a cinematic. It really is a masterpiece, and mm. it's this weird confluence of luck and timing. Like if this movie had come out, you know, a few years earlier or a few years later, it probably would have been a flop. Yeah, it was like the perfect timing. Uh, like it was just like the Vietnam War was still going on. I think right. And people were looking for like a simple story of good and evil rather than all this bullshit in Vietnam. And it was, it really resonated with people and it was combined with these incredible effects that were really revolutionary at the time and still, still look great because they were all done with camera and film and practical props. Yeah. Um, the film, the explosions were all filmed for real. They were filmed, little tiny explosions that were filmed yeah. in slow, they were filmed in slow motion because. A tiny explosion looks like garbage if you play it at regular speed. So they had to film it at in super slow motion and then bring it back to 24 FPS. I just love the fact that they have a, a dude responsible for tiny explosions. Like, yeah. I want that job. <laughs> Death Star set is a miniature. It's, it's built on, it was built on a bunch of tables, and mm. it was too big to fit. And like The ILM was basically working in like a garage. Wow. Um, and it couldn't, they couldn't film it in the garage because the motion tracking cameras weren't like they couldn't track across fast enough so they they set the whole set out um on the street outside or the alley outside and they like drove past it with a camera on a truck <laughs> and they just like popped the explosions like go now now <laughs> darn it bob you did it too slow we gotta do it again and that's how they filmed a lot of those fascinating like the story is fairly simple 
It is. It looks wonderful, but like you're really here for the characters. You're here for Luke, Leia, and Han, and R2D2 Chewie. And, and Chewie and C3PO. Like they're so they're so wonderful, charismatic, and yeah, just so much fun. Uh, how about you, Sam? Yeah, like I think rewatching it, I just I noticed more about the film, and the more I noticed, the more I noticed that it's actually really good. <laughs> like it's well made. <laughs> It's well done. It's well crafted, well acted. Like the music, like everything about it, just meshes together. And honestly, the flaws that it has is so little that you can forgive all of that. Because honestly, it's uh, it's about the characters, like you said, and their what they're going through, their conflicts, and all that. That's why I think this is a timeless story. It's not about the space battles. That's a nice extra. It's not about the lightsaber duels. It's not about the shootouts. It's not about the action. It's about characters. It's about family. <laughs> it's about family. It's about family. It's not about family, but yeah, but you know, it's it's about characters, and that's that's one thing that these newer films miss. Because uh, I can't think of one character that I like or that is memorable in the the trilogies. Um, but enough about that. Yeah, like I think it's fantastic. I think I got. I covered most of everything I wanted to say. And everything else has already been said and done. We got to yeah. do ratings. We got to do ratings. Yeah, the ratings. I'm sorry. Uh, nine Suicide Squads. Wow, nine. I think that's the highest you've given a movie. I don't have the expression. No, no, no. No, no, no. I've given some tens out. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to have to double check. I gave it. I gave a ten to Fifth Element. This is the perfect movie. Oh, you're right. You're right. Fifth <laughs> Element. Fifth <laughs> Element looks perfect, by the way. Just comparing the special effects. I mean, ILM had to make stuff, had to invent the techniques, obviously. But like, the Fifth Element visually just holds up. Uh, there's some some spotty parts in <laughs> New Hope. <laughs> Anyways, uh, for me, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it uh, I'm gonna give it a nine as well. It's almost perfect for me. There's a, a few spots that, you know, they could change the pacing of. Again, the pacing is a little off in parts where it's just too long or, like, not enough information is given. Like, that big scene, uh, I don't like how they put it in afterwards, but I'm talking about the theatrical cut where, like, mentioned Biggs, and then he sees him at the end, and there's, like, no, oh, what's up, dude? Like, oh, it's nice to see you again. Or, like, when he dies, he's like, no, my friend. <laughs> None of that is there. It's just like, oh, he's here, and he's gone. And, yeah, uh, it's like a little bit, it's, it's not perfect. But, again, I think it reaches that. Like, it still holds up. So, I'm going to give it a 9 as well. All right. Anything else you want to add? I might have given it a ten if it was the if it was the original theatrical, without any of the dumb special oh, editions. You should check it out. It's solid. I've I've seen it. I watched You've it when it? I was okay. very young. Yeah, it's even better than I remembered. Like everything is better except for Return of the Jedi. There's only like one shot he added in that was worth it, which is the shot of the entire fleet uh, flying across Yavin. Yeah, Yavin. Mm, really okay yeah that's a special edition shot and that was like oh, okay that's fine that's the only mm. shot that he added in i'm like yeah okay <laughs> everything else was good. <laughs> like uh i didn't know java java meeting han in front of his ship like that was added oh, it's real in. bad yeah it's, it's real, real bad. bad just wind it there then uh 
This has been episode seven of our Twelve Days of Star Wars special. We covered, wait, no, it's six, right? <laughs> oh episode my God. six. Episode six. We covered episode four, A New Hope. This is getting confusing because it's a podcast episode and then the moot Star Wars episodes. Anyway, Star Wars episode four, A New Hope. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Best of us for the rest of us. Crazy Kwanzaa. As always, catch you guys next time. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy. Children, they're dying, R2. Curse my metal body. I wasn't fast enough. It's all my fault. My poor master. Ho, 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 ho.